0: And we're back at the Bricks and Mortar podcast, Jonathan Williams here, I'm your host of the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast, well that's a podcast about property, if you've got an interest in property, buying, selling, renting or investing in property, then I'm sure that in the next 20 or 30 minutes we'll have something that floats your boat and lights your candle. I get asked a lot of times about mortgages, obviously that's what I do on a day to day basis, organise mortgages and protection for my clients, as well as doing the legals at the initial start. And so many of my clients need their hand held in connection with the mortgage side of things. And so what I thought I would do in the next number of episodes is to just run you through the protocol and what requires to be done in getting you from finding a property to actually getting that mortgage offer in your hands. So we're going to talk about affordability. We're going to talk about decision and principle and then the application. And then we'll do a number of shows specifically relating to types of individuals. So we'll talk about the first-time buyer, the home mover, the director, the person who's self-employed. All good stuff. And I'm sure you're bound to get something of use over the next number of shows. It's nearly Christmas isn't it? We're just at the tail end of November and we're getting into December and the Christmas period. We've just had Black Friday and it's just full, full on. Even more so in the Williams household because what we're going to end up doing is we're going to have everybody over for Christmas. So it means that my brother from Southampton, he's coming up with his brood. Uh, we've got my, my sister coming down from uh, Kiry Muir and my other sister's coming along from Paisley. So I have been tasked with the DIY. And I do like my DIY, I have to say. I enjoy my painting and I think because it's quite therapeutic And one of the things that I sort of get lost in is the almost meditation that you get when you get into a a state of flow almost when you're you're painting. And I have to say, over the last six weeks or so, I've really got into my meditation. And if you're at all sceptical about meditation and and mindfulness and all that kind of left field stuff, then I would strongly encourage you to download an app which I use on a daily basis called Stop, Breathe and Think. It's just a great little app and it's all about meditation and certainly I use that every day. Um, And yeah, do download it because as I say, I think that you'll find great benefit in, in getting in To the meditation side of things. Let me tell you a little bit of a story about the parking fiasco that we had outside the house. We live in the West End and there's always a bun fight as far as parking is concerned and none more so at the moment. But what's happening is that the Glasgow City Council and their infamous wisdom are going to end up charging everybody for their parking in the West End. And so what they're doing at the moment is that they're blocking off streets and they're getting their painters out and they are demarking the car parking spaces. And so that's what happened about two or three weeks ago. I ended up parking... um, crossing over a bay um, and only because the person in front of me had crossed over a bay and so obviously I ended up just shunting my car up against theirs. So it looked for all intents and purposes that I was straddling a bay but as I say could only do that because the person in front had straddled a bay. So I thought well that's fine, Park my car off into the house came back out the next morning and somebody had left a note on my windscreen that read you need to get a pair of spectacles can you not see you've crossed over the line? I mean I thought to myself why would you put why would you go to the bother of writing a note and then pinning it on my windscreen. I've been so petty and small-minded. I couldn't believe it. Honestly, I just could not believe it. So I thought, you know what I would do? I'll just be as petty and small-minded, and I ended up writing a note (laughs) explaining why I had parked there. I don't know if it was one of the neighbours or somebody else who had parked there, but I I just thought... Surely to goodness there are more important things in life rather than pinning something on somebody's car seeing that they'd park a, parked like an, an arse. Ah, couldn't believe it, couldn't believe it. Listen, we're going to get on with the, the show and talk about, first of all, we're going to talk about affordability. So let's get cracking with that, shall we? So we're going to start our series of programmes and episodes in relation to mortgages. We're going to kick it off right at the start with affordability. And what the lenders are looking for here uh, is, are you able to afford the mortgage? Now, back in the day, this was something that, I guess, the brokers had uh, a great say on and and It was very much down to the brokers to put the information to the lenders. Um, But nowadays what is going to happen is that there is an absolute formula which all the lenders will have. Now, clearly the lenders have got different criteria, but you need to make sure that the loan is going to be affordable for your client. And for a great number of the lenders... What they're saying at the moment is that you have to have past muster with regards to affordability before you even get to the next stage, which is decision in principle. So you need to make sure that the loan is affordable for your client. And that's not an easy calculation to make, so much so that the lenders will now force you to put in information into affordability calculators. All of the main lenders have got affordability calculators and you will put in the information into these affordability calculators and then what they will do is they will spit out a figure as to how much your client can afford. Now it takes away the decision from your client as to what they feel they can and cannot afford and it becomes very much regulated that the lenders will now say well if you have got this income and that expense then this is what you're going to be able to afford and that's pretty much it. Very difficult to get the lender to try and move away from that affordability without you trying to increase your income some way or getting rid of some of that expense. So can you afford the mortgage? It's all about affordability. When you are going to be looking at a mortgage, they will look at income and expenditure. The income that we'll look at is pretty straightforward, so your income is going to be what you get paid on a monthly basis if you've got a salary, that's to say you get your uh, salary paid into your your bank um, and the tax has been already paid, the PAYE system. It's slightly more complicated when we are acting on behalf of individuals who are sole traders or directors and then we have to be a little bit more clever about salary and also dividends. And then it's a completely different affordability with regards to buy to let where we're talking about stress tests and whether or not there's going to be sufficient rental income to cover the mortgage. But listen, we're going to deal about those specifics as far as other uh, episodes are concerned. Really what I want to do today is just to give you a broad overview of what affordability is all about. So we're talking income. You put your income into the affordability calculator Uh, you might have to put in some other information such as how long you've been working, such as dates of birth. But the income, you need to put that in and then we're on to things like you're putting in how many children that you've got. That's most important because the Lenders see that as a liability. Children, they are an expense and they will have certain algorithms. The banks and building societies will have certain algorithms which will say if you've got one child, then it's going to cost you X. If you've got two children, it's going to cost you Y. So that's the children you're going to have to put in when you're doing the affordability calculator. And then you're looking at your expenses. What do you shell out on a monthly basis? So they'll possibly be looking for you to put in how much you pay on your internet, on your council tax, on your heating, on your travel. Some of the lenders really dive deep into what information that they need and others very much take a view that they will have a background algorithm and they will then calculate if you are have an income of X and children of Y, then the algorithm will say you should be expecting to spend a certain figure on expenses. So that's the expenses side of things, and then we're on to liabilities. These are things like unsecured loans, credit cards, your car loan, your payday loans, etc., you need to put those in. So it's your income, your children, then you've got your expenses and then you've got the liabilities. And then you ping the button and you hope that the figure it comes up with is more than you actually need. So as far as income is concerned, you're probably looking at anywhere between three, four, four and a half times income. They'll look at joint income as well. So they will have calculations that will lead to a certain amount that they are prepared to lend to you. The children's side of things. Well, as I say, they will be an expense. You know, any of those who, of you who are listening to this who have children, you will obviously know that they are an expensive commodity. And the banks nowadays will take into account how many children that you have. It is quite interesting that when you do run the rule over an affordability calculator for clients, and if you play about with the calculator and, put kids in and take kids out, then it does make quite a significant difference as far as the children is concerned. I talked there about general expenses. Some of the lenders have got algorithms which will work in the background that that will put a guesstimate on how much expense that you've got. Others will actually specifically want you to identify what those expenses are. I have to say, from my point of view, I would rather put in the figures because ultimately when you go to decision in principle and when you go to the full application, they're going to want to know those figures. So you're better getting those figures and and putting those figures in. And then the liabilities. One thing I didn't talk about with the liabilities was student loans. These days now with... uh, kids coming out of university, then you're looking at a great number of them coming out with student loans and then we need to calculate what the uh, payback is going to be, how much they're going to have to pay on a monthly basis. So those are the things that you've got to put into the affordability calculator. Let's have a chat about the factors I've already mentioned the children's side of things and, and they do make a significant dent into the income side of things. Um, you've obviously, if you've got children, you've got to, to put how many children you've got in. They do make a significant uh, impact on affordability. One other thing that has an, a, a distinct impact on affordability is your debt. That's your unsecured debt, or indeed your secured debt. Let's talk about unsecured debt. Let's talk about car payments. Let's talk about credit cards. Both of these things will have an impact on your affordability. It will have less of an impact if you are able to pay these things off. But there are some lenders out there who will look at affordability based upon what you have at the moment. So if you're going to run an affordability calculator with some of these lenders, it's important to know that before you go to decision in principle, that you've actually paid these debts off. Because if you haven't paid the debts off, they will take the debts into account at the time that you make your application. So that's a good thing that you need to be aware of. But debts unsecured debts, um, they will take that into account. If you are going to say, if you're going to put your unsecured debts down, if you've got unsecured debts and you're putting them down in the affordability calculator, it will obviously be better if you're able to pay those debts off by the time you take the mortgage out. And if you do that, then it's not going to have that it's not going to have an effect as far as your affordability is concerned. Secured debts, if you're buying a second property, then you need to obviously put in that you've got a mortgage over, if you have got a mortgage over your existing residential property, and that will drag your affordability down because they will take into account, the through an algorithm, the running costs of your property. So again, if you're going to be buying a second property, then they will take that into account. And sometimes it can be quite dramatic. We'd acted for clients a little while back and we were going through the Leeds Building Society and the algorithm that they used um, meant that in in essence, the loan became unaffordable. So there are some lenders out there who will be more lenient when it comes to a second property and running costs for a second property, but there are those like Leeds Building Society who will um, be be very tough on that. Payday loans... If you're talking to me about payday loans or payday loans come up in a discussion when we're talking about a mortgage, I have to say it's not going to be good news because one of the things that the lenders do not like is payday loans and why would they? To a lender, a payday loan says you cannot run your household properly. And if you have to continually resort to payday loans, the lender's going to first of all think, well, if you can't run your household and your finances on a monthly basis, how on earth are you going to be able to afford a mortgage over a 20, 25 year period? And they'll just bomb you out before you've even got past the decision in principle point of view. So payday loans are an absolute no-no. Obviously, if you've got a payday loan on your credit report, then there's nothing you can do about that and, unless you, you ride out the storm and wait for it to, to come off your uh, off your Experian report. So that's payday loans. And then the, the final factor is income. Clearly, if you've got a good, steady income coming in, then that's absolutely great. And the higher, it goes without saying, obviously, that the higher your income, then the more likely it is that your uh, mortgage uh, is going to be affordable. Um, the lenders will look at all sorts of income. They will look at clearly the income that you've got with regards to your PAYE salary, they will look at tax credits, they will look at bonuses um, you know some expenses they'll take into account. So it's important that when you're speaking to your broker that you rack your brains and just make sure that you tell the broker exactly the income that you're getting in. And it'll be up to the broker to turn around and say, "Well, no, we can't look at that. we can look at, at, at this, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's income. And that's pretty much affordability. It's down to the lender to decide whether or not you can afford the mortgage. And they do that by identifying your income and seeing whether or not your liabilities mean that the mortgage is going to be affordable. Next week what we're going to talk about is decision in principle and then after that we're on to the application. Okay so that wraps up the first of three introductory episodes in connection with the mortgage process and and that was clearly all about affordability. It really is the most important thing as far as what the clients need to understand. They need to understand that the lenders are now All over affordability and you need to make sure that not only have you got an income that is coming in that's going to be able to support the mortgage but more importantly that you're not fritting away the income with a lavish lifestyle because the lenders will certainly clock that you're living outside your means and if you're living outside your means then it can be very difficult to get that mortgage, I'm going to wrap up now. I've got more painting to do with the the family coming over for Christmas. Just a few bits of housekeeping. As far as the training side of things is concerned, um, obviously going to be training no doubt for another marathon next year. But I thought what I would put into the mix was get back into my triathlons. So next year I've signed up for four what I call half Ironman. So those of you who don't know what Ironman is, well, half Ironman is a 1.9 mile swim. Uh, Then you're talking... No, it's not. So it's a 1.2 mile swim and it's a 56 mile bike ride. And then that's followed up with a half marathon. So probably take me five and a half, six hours. So I've I've entered into four of those. You probably must be thinking I'm absolutely nuts, but... uh, got to do something at the weekends I guess. So I'll tell you all about that in the weeks and months that follows and you can follow me uh, as my training progresses. On the hockey front it's been pretty quiet. Glasgow is has been suffering sub-zero temperatures this week. It really has been pretty Baltic and as a result there hasn't really been too much hockey Number one, didn't make it into the development squad, so she was a bit disappointed about that. I have to say that probably her parents were were more disappointed than she actually was. She really did put an incredible amount of effort in there, and uh, I don't think it will have been wasted. I certainly think the whole experience for her has been um, quite eye-opening, and she really now needs, well, I think she does understand what she needs to improve in her game in order to take it to the to the next level and and what we're hoping is that you know she's she's put a marker in the sand and I guess next year when she ages up to under 16s then it will be looking hopefully for her to to get the nod as far as the the district is concerned and you just never know with the the national setup but. Pretty disappointed but it's amazing how resilient the uh, the youngsters are. She's 14 and uh, it was almost two days later that she was on to, to something else. She's got her, she's got so many things going on. She's got her piano exam coming up, she's got a clarinet. It's just, it's amazing whereas I guess both myself and, and uh, she must be obeyed were probably mumping and moaning about it for, for the whole week that she didn't get in, but uh, I guess that's the lot of the parents, eh? So that's the hockey. Talk to told you a wee bit about the, the Ironman. I've got to tell you also about my Gareth Southgate looky-likey. If you follow me on my personal Facebook, and please do uh, join me on, on Facebook. Delighted to have you. On that, um, there's been a couple of comments uh, because obviously England are, are uh, in Scotland's group as far as the World Cup is concerned. And a lot of, some of my friends have uh, identified me as a bit of a Gareth Southgate looky And I have to say, I'm not entirely convinced other than they've got a beard um, I'm round about six foot uh, and, and 80 kilos, which is, is bang on what Southgate is. And I guess there is a passing resemblance, I'm not saying that I'm an absolute shoe in. But just as a bit of a laugh, what I thought I would do is I would contact a looky likey agency. And so I just um, typed into the Google uh, bar Looky likey Limited and it came up with this company. So what I, I did was I uh, wrote to them, emailed them, and said uh, some of my. Uh, friends thinks I, I, I'm a double ganger for Gareth Southgate, and I wondered if there was any work available, given the fact that he's a pretty much a shoe in for the England manager's job. And I kid you not, I got an email back, probably about five minutes later, saying that they had a young Gareth Southgate, but they didn't have any old Gareth Southgates. And what they had suggested was that they would be very much interested, especially if he got the job, in uh, uh, getting some pictures. So that that was about a week, 10 days ago. um, And I've just been so busy at work that uh, I haven't managed to get some photographs over to them. So I'm going to do that. You never know. Um, I might be opening a supermarket near you. Um, If you've got an Aldi, Aldi's, a Lidl uh, or a Morrison's that's opening, then, uh, you know, I might be getting my 50 quid appearance fee for that. I'm going to, I am going to sign off now, okay? And we're going to catch you on the other side next week. And we're going to talk about last, uh, this week, we're talking about affordability. And next week, we're going to talk about the decision in principle. So we are going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up now. It's Jonathan Williams. It is the Bricks and Mortar podcast. A sideways look at property.